And it's Christ that holds us together as His body. And so we want to keep our focus on Him. Because without Christ, without God, or apart from Him, it's like you and I are stuck inside of a roundabout and we never get out. We just keep driving around and around. And we're stuck inside of it because we look to things that are created to satisfy us instead of looking to the Creator. Or we put our hope in created things instead of the Creator. And I think all of us have been disappointed by uh, the sin and the brokenness of our world and of our lives, whether it's relationships or possessions or circumstances. All of these things can disappoint us in this world. And all of these things can threaten to steal our joy or our hope. But I want to encourage you this morning, just for a few minutes, that Uh, Wherever you are this morning, whatever you're going through, maybe you're in the midst of some difficulties or hardships, maybe you're not, but whatever you're going through or whatever you have done in your past, none of those things have to destroy or steal your hope. That you can hope again. And, And the Bible tells us that as believers, we should not be hopeless or joyless. Uh, We don't have to be stuck in that roundabout, just going around and around. That in Christ, He has given us a way out of that. And so by accepting His forgiveness for our sins, um, our separation from God has been removed, and we can have life, and we can have hope and eternity in Him. And as believers in Christ, it's already begun. It's already begun. We haven't reached heaven. We haven't reached perfection um, as of yet. But as believers, we have entered into it because we have a deposit of the Holy Spirit of what is yet to come. So, does that affect how we live until we die, until we reach eternity? Or do we just kind of hang around here and, and somehow get through until Jesus takes us home. Say it differently. Does the hope we've been given in the Gospel affect our lives? I hope so. Because it should. In the book of Colossians, Paul has established that Christ is supreme. That He's preeminent. That He surpasses all things and He's above all things. That He's the Lord over nature, and He's the Lord over the church. That He's Lord over the physical and the natural world, and He's Lord over the spiritual world. And so this morning, we're going to see the effect that this hope has on Paul's life, and, I hope, the effect that it can have on our lives as well. So we're in Colossians 1 this morning. We're going to read and talk about verses 24 through 27. It says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints." To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope 
of glory. In that passage back in verse 23, Paul mentions the hope held out to us in the Gospel. And then verse 27, which we just read, mentions Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, what difference does that make in our lives? All the difference. And we see right away in verse 24, Paul says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. What? I rejoice in what was suffered? Is Paul crazy here? No, I don't believe he's crazy. I believe he's mature. Because he repeatedly speaks of rejoicing in trials and suffering. That's different. That's very different. So so how does hope make a difference in our lives? And I think, first of all, hope endures through suffering. Verse 24. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this one because the world does not understand this idea. Uh, it's a very countercultural idea. How can you and I rejoice, or how can anybody rejoice and have hope in suffering? This is one of the things that threatens to steal our hope or our joy, and that's suffering. And suffering has been a part of what it means to be a human ever since sin entered into the world. And so we're acknowledging that even though Jesus paid for our sins on the cross with His own blood, that suffering is still present with us. And that that can steal our hope or that we can hold on to the hope that we have in Christ by concentrating on the good things that can come out of suffering. And so, what do we mean when we say good things can come out of suffering? Well, first of all, suffering can bring us as believers closer to Christ, according to Philippians 3.10. It teaches us a total dependence on Him. And so, how many of you here this morning have been through circumstances where you know you could not have made it without the presence of Jesus Christ? Okay. It's like many of you have experienced that. You've been in the midst of suffering and His presence was there and He was very real in the midst of that. And that's what Paul is talking about here in verse 24 when he says he had to fill up Christ's afflictions. Uh, It wasn't that Jesus' death and His resurrection wasn't sufficient to pay for Paul's or our salvation. It was that the world continues to pour out its hatred of Jesus on us. And the Bible tells us that that's going to continue until one day God says that cup is full and His judgment is poured out. And so suffering itself... And the attacks of the enemy can confirm to us that we're part of God's family. How else can suffering be good or be used for good? I think it reminds us that this world is not eternal. That it's temporary. It's not home. And so it gives us a hope in the midst of what is yet to come. According to Romans 5.25, it changes us and it produces hope within us, the suffering that is. Uh, I read about uh, an interesting experiment that was done a while back at Duke University. And there were a group of these behavioral scientists and they put some large rats in a tank of water and they observed them to see how long that they would survive before they drowned. 
The average time was 17 minutes. Then they repeated the experiment with new rats, but this time they rescued the rats just before the point of drowning. So they they took them out, they dried them off, they returned them to their cages, they fed them, and then a few days later they repeated the drowning experiment. And this time, the average survival time for those rats increased from 17 minutes to 36 hours. Pretty substantial. And so the scientists, it was interesting to read, explained that this phenomenon happened the second time around because the rats had hope. Uh, They believed that they could survive because they had done so before. And and one scientist even said they they were able to survive because they had been saved. Are you hearing the... The, the terminology coming out there, um, you know, we usually say as long as there's life, there's hope. But this experiment proved that as long as there is hope, there is life. But our hope is a little bit different than the hope of the rats or the hope of perhaps someone who throws a coin into a wishing well. Because what you and I hope for in Jesus is absolute certainty. So, for you and I, as we're facing difficulties or suffering, every time we make it over an obstacle in our lives, it gives us hope and it empowers us to make it over the next obstacle that may come along. And so when you're faced with a situation that threatens to to steal your hope, take a look back and reflect on your life. Look at how God has been there in the past. How He didn't abandon you. He's taken you through many trials. Look back at those times. Uh, Those times when perhaps maybe you felt there wasn't any hope, but God was there and you made it through. That same power is still available to us in Christ. And I don't want to minimize suffering. We hate suffering. We don't want anybody to go through it. But I want to point out that God can use that for our good. How else can God use suffering? Well, I think... In the unbelievers' lives, God can use suffering to draw them to Christ. And perhaps there's uh, a few of you here this morning who may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe right now you're in the midst of a struggle in your life, or you see one coming down the road. And as you face that struggle, I want to encourage you, don't just accept that as a fact of life, but recognize it for what it is. It's God trying to get your attention. God speaks through the suffering. Very loudly sometimes, C.S. Lewis says. And so don't ignore that voice. Whatever situation you're in right now, it will end. But think long term about eternity because our response to that suffering affects how we will face eternity In other words, don't waste your suffering. God can use it. Paul knows that the church of Christ has suffering to go through before he returns. And when we as the church suffers, he even says that Christ suffers with us. And so Paul endures his suffering because he knows the coming joy. Because he's filled with the hope of Christ, the hope of what's yet to come. So hope endures suffering. And secondly, we see in verse 25 that hope sustains our purpose. It sustains our purpose. 
Every war has military prisoners. Some survive, some don't. And there was a study done in the concentration camp survivors to discover were there any common characteristics of those who didn't give in to the disease and the starvation in the camps. And Viktor Frankl in World War II was a living answer to that question. And when Viktor Frankl was giving a speech after his release, he said, there's only one reason why I am here today. What kept me alive was you. Other people gave up hope. And it was, it was frequent to see a prisoner just refuse to get up and he wouldn't get dressed or washed. He wouldn't go outside. And no amount of pleading from his fellow prisoners would help. And no threats from his captors would help. And losing all hope, he had simply given up. But Frankel said, I refuse to give up. I dreamed. I dreamed that someday I would be here telling you how I, Victor Frankel, had survived the Nazi concentration camps. I've never been here before, he said. I've never seen any of you before. I've never given this speech before. But in my dreams, in my dreams, I have stood before you and said these words a thousand times. And so Victor Frankl established a purpose for himself. He kept his hope alive through unbelievable circumstances. Paul had a purpose too, as we read this passage. And it had been given to him by God. He was to be a servant to the churches, delivering the message to them, helping them to grow in their faith. And we read that he went through a lot of pain in order to fulfill that purpose. He was stoned, he was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was betrayed and shipwrecked, all these things, but he never lost hope because he had a clear purpose. And I want to tell you this morning that God has given us a clear purpose. Also, we have our Lord and Savior Jesus. In Hebrews 12.2, it says that Jesus endured the cross because of the what? He endured the cross because of the... You know what that passage says? Because of the joy. He endured the cross because of the joy set before Him. So our Savior and Lord Jesus went through His suffering because He could see beyond it. He could see the purpose. He could see the joy. And He did that for us. He looked beyond the cross to see you. And so our hope in Christ endures suffering. It sustains our purpose. And then we see in verse 26 that hope reveals the truth. When, you've, when you're going through trials, I think there's a tendency for you and I to actually see things a bit clearer, or at least to know what's really important in life. And so our hope in the midst of that suffering helps us see the truth. Sometimes we don't see ourselves accurately. Sometimes we're struggling and our perspective is dragged down, and so we're drawn back to the truth that we have in Christ. Maybe you can identify with a little boy who had incredible hope, though. He one day was overheard talking to himself as he strutted through the backyard, and he was wearing his baseball cap, and he was toting a ball and a bat. And he said, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. 
And then he tossed the ball up in the air. He swung, but he missed. Strike one, he yelled. Undaunted, he picked up the ball and said again, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he tossed the ball up in the air. When it came down, he swung again, but unfortunately he missed. Strike two, he cried. Well, then he paused for a moment. He examined his bat. He examined the ball. He spit on his hands. He rubbed them together. He straightened his cap, and he said once more, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Again, he tossed the ball up in the air, and he swung at it, but he missed. Strike three. But instead of falling into despair, with the hope of a child, he said, Wow, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. (laughs) Children are full of hope. But somewhere along the way, they start to hear and believe lies that they've been told. Lies like, you're no good, or no one wants to be your friend. Or something that tells them the only value they have is in what they do for someone else. Lies that steal their hope. But the truth is that every one of us in this room has value and hope and potential because we are made in the image of God. Right? Very true that we have a sinful nature. Very true that we sin. But God loves and forgives us and He has purpose for our lives. And beyond that, He has purpose for our church. As we think about our individual lives, as we think about our church, as we think about God, let His hope propel us. Let His hope propel us towards His purposes for us, both as people and as a church. You know, people in our world are looking for hope. And they often look for it in the wrong places. Perhaps false hopes are worse than having no hope at all. Um, You know, someone has said that probably nothing in the world arouses more false hope than the first four hours of a diet. When false hopes crash to the ground, as they often do with a new diet, it makes us think that there's no secure place for us to go where there's real hope. And in those times, our enemy will try to come in and he'll try to do one of two things to us. He'll either try to make us think that life is utterly hopeless or he'll try to get us to think that hope is found in the things of this world, which gets us back in that roundabout, just going around in circles. But God, Paul says here that God has revealed the mystery to us that there's no real hope found in the things of this world. It's fading away along with everything in it. But that there is a place where we can find real secure hope and it's in a relationship with God. And so hope reveals the truth about God. Hope reveals the truth that God loves you. It's hopeless for us to try to be good enough to get God to love us. Again, that's back in the roundabout. But the wonderful message of the Bible is that God loves you in spite of the hopeless condition that you're in and that He will never leave you. And so hope reveals the truth that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Finally, Hope endures suffering. It sustains our purpose. It reveals the truth. And in verse 27, we see 
that hope anticipates a reward. Hope anticipates a reward. And the good news is that you don't have to wait until heaven to enjoy the fruits of a relationship with God. Because Paul speaks here of Christ in me. He's talking about right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus lives in us. As believers in Christ, Jesus lives in us. That through the Spirit, He gives us guidance so that we'll know which way to go. He gives us power to overcome the obstacles. For as the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control that enables us to be strong no matter what kind of cross that we're bearing right now. So, does any of that sound appealing to you? I hope so. Because that's what we've been given in Christ. Hope gives us a reward for today. But hope also gives us a reward for the, for the future and for tomorrow. Listen to the promises of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 19-22. It says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Numerous scriptures, but let me touch one more. This, this hope that we have in the future and for eternity. 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so the people of our world, without God, apart from God, see only a hopeless end. But the Christian rejoices in an endless hope. And so again, my friends, I want to encourage you this morning. When you've lost hope, when you think all is lost and it looks like you're getting ready to go over the edge, remember who Jesus is. Remember what He's done in the past. Remember what He's doing now. And remember what He is yet to do. Remember who Jesus is. A few weeks ago, if you were with us, uh, we brought that question out, who is Jesus? And we heard all kinds of different answers from people on the street in our video. And I want to return to that question. And this time I want to hear answers that come straight from God's Word. This truth that gives us hope about who is Jesus. Church family, our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in Him. Every good thing that's happened in our past has been because of Him. Every good thing that's happening right now is because of Him. And our future lies with Him and our hope in Him. And first, or actually in Colossians 1, we've learned that, that Jesus is the Lord over nature. He's the Lord over the universe and your soul. And that He can live in you and give you the same hope that Paul has. A hope that endures suffering 
sustains our purpose, reveals truth, and anticipates a glory and a reward yet to come.